Today, we're talking to the FT's global pensions correspondent, Joe Cumbo, about her views of DC pensions and what value for money means to her. Welcome to the 16th episode of VFM. I am delighted to be joined, as ever, by my co-host and suffering fellow Arsenal fan, Darren Phil. Yeah, um, I was going to say I couldn't be happier sitting next to you, Nico, but to see you after the day when (laughs) Arsenal get drummed uh, 4-1 against Man City and to see our title aspirations go out the window. Yeah, well, we were maybe deluding ourselves. Uh, and uh, we're delighted to be welcoming Joe Gumbo. Welcome. Good morning, gents. It's great <laughs> to be here. Thank you very much for coming. Um, so, Joe, you've been at the FT for 25 years. Scary. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Time flies. Yeah, it has. Uh, so starting in the dot-com era, looking at general news at first, and before that you were with uh, ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, avoiding the kangaroos. Yes, yes, <laughs> avoiding the kangaroos. I started... Um, my first real job in journalism after I graduated in an English degree. Yeah, did a bit of, yeah. I did a lot of things actually. I studied law. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, but I did have a sense that I, you know, fire in my belly at that yeah, age. Yeah. Um, I got a job with the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, which is the equivalent of the BBC in Australia. They have, they're very hard. They throw you into the deep end. <laughs> There's nothing soft about working as a journalist in Australia in a big country with a lot of desert. Yeah. Um, my first job, I was sent out to the outback to work in a radio station uh, in the middle of nowhere, actually, as I said. Right. There were more yeah. kangaroos than people. Right. It took me a day and a half to get there driving yeah. through the desert. Um, <laughs> it was a long drive, and I pulled up. It it's was a big about, country, isn't it? Yeah. It's huge. It, it was, you know, it's regularly 45 degrees right. of yeah. heat. Yeah. If you yeah. want to yeah. go for a swim in the river, there are crocodiles. Right. <laughs> yeah, okay. it, you know, the, the environment is really harsh. Mm, and, then, yeah. and then you get to the fact that it was a sort of mining community, very important place to be because of the output of the money. You know, eight out of ten people were men, and then there were the Sheilas like, like us. Yeah, so right, you know, yeah. you, you had to know how to like fix the car if you ran into a kangaroo, yeah, find stories, <laughs> and also uh, survive the heat and the crocodiles. Yeah. So I survived out there for twelve months, right. and yeah. um, it was a really, really interesting time to cut your teeth as a journalist. Yeah. They yeah. just tell you find stories, go and out it, in the car and find them. Yeah. Yeah. And you survived and to tell the tale. I did. Yeah. 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 Um, but it got to some point where I realised in Australia at that point, it was in the sort of 90s, scary, um, I wanted to see if the world really was round. Mm, right. Like, I don't say it's before Facebook, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't see on Twitter or anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I said to mum, I just want to go, and I probably, you don't want to hear this, but I want to go to the most dangerous country yeah, in the world, yeah, yeah. which was Johannesburg, because I had been studying... Uh, South African history and at the point okay, of like the good. transition to democracy mm, with Mandela. Yeah. Yeah. I was fascinated with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that they had there. They were having sort of victims and um, mm. uh, they were sitting in court. I was just fascinated. It was the biggest story in the planet. All right, put my backpack on and I've got my recorder and my notebook and I'm going to land there and yeah. I'm going to like, do my stuff. Yeah. Wave goodbye to my mum. She was in tears. Oh. Um, still hasn't forgiven me. <laughs> But it was an, an extremely uh, fascinating time, but also a frightening time yeah, as well. Imagine. Some of the things that I'd seen were quite violent and rough, but, it, you know, I got to grips with things, learned very, very quickly mm-hmm. um, about the world and how different it was from where I was. Yeah. But it was mm-hmm. I still had an appetite to do things, but I didn't want to get killed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I, I jumped on a pain and I came to, landed in London um, May 2nd. 1997, which oh, you yeah. gents will recognise <laughs> yeah, as a, quite a famous yeah. period in... People yeah. partying in the streets. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. British history. <laughs> yeah, it was the day after Tony Blair was elected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I had sort of visions of what it might be like um, coming to England, um, people drinking tea, being quiet and polite and saying sorry a lot, <laughs> queuing up. But no, they were out in the streets. I said, phone my mum again. Hey, look at the shirts off. The shirts are off in the streets. What's going on? <laughs> you know, it was quite a buoyant moment. Yeah. 
to yeah. arrive. Mm. And, you know, I had $200 and a bottle of wine from South Africa. And <laughs> I got a job here. Eventually, I did lots of did bar work, uh-huh, administration yeah. work. I was out there on the ground just getting to know people. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It was quite a cultural shock for me. You know, it was so cold being here. Mm. But I eventually got a job in Leeds with the BBC. They gave me keys to the BBC car and told me to go and find stories. Really interesting being a local reporter for the BBC. I was reading the news. Must have been weird for the people of Yorkshire. Um, And then eventually a job came up with the FT in 1999. It was a really interesting time. It was the dot-com boom for all you people who remember that. Lots of money being thrown around at young people driving, you know, running around offices and scooters. There was table hockey. And, you know, FT.com was the point where the FT saw itself expanding on the Internet. So I was part of an intake of 20 people at that point. And um, they give you on the job training with learning company accounts and reporting. Mm -hmm. So I did that for about six years. It was fascinating, but also frightening. But one thing I I think about my time back in, you know, the the outback with the kangaroos (laughs) and the crocodiles, it gave me a really good um, sense of resilience and confidence Mm -hmm. in dealing with the city, which is male-dominated. So I could certainly say, look, I'll fix your car if you run into anything. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> more um, kangaroos than crocodiles? Well, more, more crocodiles, crocodiles than and snakes, I thought. Yeah, there were yeah, more snakes, snakes in yeah. the city than anything else. <laughs> Spiders. Spiders. <laughs> but I'm glad that I had that sort of yeah. confidence from being out there in the outback, but I, I probably wouldn't want to do that again. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's come back to talking about the FT and kind of what you've been doing over those yeah. 25 years in a, in a second. Um, but uh, we normally traditionally start with the news and... Um, yeah, Joe, what have you brought in for us? Well, um, yes, I brought in a story this week, which I thought was quite interesting, and it's about DC, and it's really about how the system really isn't functioning mm. very well for ordinary people, and mm. that is the amount of tax being overpaid when people pull out, uh, draw on their pensions flexibly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. So HMRC has published new figures. Record amount of 48 million was overpaid, uh, well, reclaimed as overpaid tax by pension free users in the first three months of this year and this was more than double the amount that was uh, uh, paid out uh, a year ago and it's about a record level I think for the first uh, highest three month period which which says to me you know something's not going Mm. quite well with the way people are using their money astonishingly one billion around one billion has been overpaid in tax since the twenty uh, the pension freedoms in twenty fifteen. And, yeah. and that's the money that's the money we know about. Yeah. Exactly. So this is exactly. about people actively claiming this back, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so to get the money back you have to fill out one of three forms and you have to know to do that. Yeah. And then you have to wait well the HMRC has thirty days or we have to rely on them being efficient enough to get the money back to you. Yeah. Yeah. So what we don't know is total overpaid and yeah. who's not claiming but I suspect yeah. that there is a vast amount of people who don't know yeah, what sure. to do or don't have the gum you know have the energy to do it yeah. which I don't think is is great and it's yeah. certainly an example of people this really confuses me because you know HMRC have you know had a big drive around RTI and making tax digital and they've invested a lot yeah, not always successfully, but a lot in developing their systems and stuff. Yeah. So you'd think that there'd be an easier way to sort this out, wouldn't you? Well, I guess these are people you know, who don't fill in tax returns. Which general. is the vast majority of people. Well, exactly. So, um, you know, you can make it as digital as you want, but if you don't have an account to log mm-hmm. into, um, if you don't know your UTR, or whatever it is, your unique taxpayer reference, then, uh, you know, where do you even start? And if, you're not, if you don't even know that's a problem to start on... Yeah. Because they're not really, I'm not seeing posters in the street saying, have you, you, have know, you taken money out at emergency tax rates or whatever it is. Um, there's so much complexity here. You know, yeah. I, I sort of don't know what the role, everybody backs away from tax. Um, uh, like the providers just won't. They say tax is a problem. You need to think about tax. But then we can't advise you on tax. Yeah. Um, so I sort of don't know who you could charge with the responsibility of making this better. I think there needs to be some noise, you know, mm. more noise drummed up about it. I think there is the, the general issue with all the pension freedom complexity that there is just a raft of things yeah. where people just are, you know, making mistakes unintentionally because yeah. they don't know how the system works. Yeah, and we were seeing and that with the um, one of them. We yeah. were seeing that with the money purchase annual allowance, Absolutely. weren't we? You know, so yeah. 
and complexity breeds complexity. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that, you know, that we, we've obviously seen the lifetime allowance removed, um, you know, how temporarily, long, temporarily yeah. how long that will stay, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But it does feel to me that we've got a system that is fundamentally broken when it comes to tax yeah. relief. You know, the incentives yeah. are in the wrong place. It doesn't, as a system, it just doesn't work. And, um, you know, I think that we were talking about the IFS review last week, weren't we? And they were, they're going to be looking in the round at retirement. And I think a lot of it starts from the tax system. You know, and if you don't yeah. consider the tax system and could consider fundamental change in the tax system, yeah. then you're never going to be able to, to fully solve the problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, isn't there a government department for tax simplification? Office they tried to sack it, didn't they? Uh, yeah. um, I think the, there is a problem between what the pension department wants to do and what the Treasury wants yeah. to do, yeah. and the Treasury runs the roost, and it always yeah. rules yeah. the roost, doesn't it? You, Darren, you would know I, that. I, I, I know that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is complex, and... I don't know whether having multiple pots and withdrawing differently from different pots at different times makes it more complex because sort of nobody has a holistic view. Could the dashboard? I suppose it's, it's the sort of health warnings. Nico, the, the dashboard. dashboard will solve everything. That's not my quote. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I guess it, it's a place that we hope people will look at um, and will be the, uh, you know, could be the front page of the pensions internet, essentially. Yeah. So even just a big red flashing box going, have you ever paid tax mm. there, would be really helpful, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, and obviously, when is it going to get launched, Darren? That's your question. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It keeps getting delayed, doesn't it? If, if people were using pension-wise, mm. you know, these are the one of the red flags that you know, they would raise yeah. if you're yeah. thinking about taking yeah. your money out. Yeah. But more yeah. people should be using pension-wise. Yeah. yeah, and there's also the interaction with other state benefits absolutely um, which is just another mess yep. um, so it's not even the taxation it's also the welfare and taxation yeah but that's why you've got to look at this in the round if you yeah. if you go back to the pensions commission stuff with auto enrollment you know yes it looks at state pension it looked at auto enrollment the introduction of nest didn't touch the taxation side of things at all right yeah. you know and obviously that was a bit of um well, they had just had a day they um, had just had so a day um yeah the last the pension th simplification oh, yeah. <laughs> um but people, you've got to look at this stuff holistically. Yeah. Um, so, Darren, you've been uh, uh, you've been taking a different beat on how to generate news content. For yeah. Us so um, it's been quite a quiet week, DC pensions uh -huh. wise, this week. So um, I, I got onto ChatGPT and I thought I'm going to get down with the kids, <laughs> yeah, and, and and use some AI stuff. So I asked. This is how you replace me. It, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I asked ChatGPT, "What is the best pension story in the UK this week?" And this is the response I got. Uh -huh. As an AI language model, I do not have the ability to browse news websites in real time or provide information on current events beyond my knowledge cut-off date. However, you can search for the latest UK pension news on reputable news sources such as BBC News, The Guardian, and you'll be glad to know, Joe, The Financial Times. Oh so for God. this week yeah. and this week only, <laughs> Joe, I'm going to ask you what a news story you've got for us. <laughs> I've just repeated it. <laughs> I think Chad GPT is probably mind-blown when you ask it about pensions. It's yeah. politely, it's been very polite, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's Sorry, polite. I don't want to go there. Well, it's right. exactly the same as any advisor who just goes, <laughs> I can't talk to you about tax. Yeah. No, <laughs> but you had one... Um, you, in all seriousness, you, you wanted to sort of mention the, what was it, the defined benefit in Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I often, part of my job, I kind of scope around what's being said in Parliament that hasn't necessarily captured the attention on the pages, the news, or no one said a press release about it. Mm. And there was questions asked by Labour, the Labour opposition of the government, about the situation for pensioners uh, with DB mm -hmm. who don't have inflation protection on their pension. Now, yep. we know that this is pre-97, so these are typically much older people mm -hmm. in their yeah. 70s and 80s. There are people, there's tens of thousands of them, I think 80 to 90,000 of them in the Pension Protection Fund yep, right. who have pre-97 benefits that are not being uprated. Yeah. It was discretionary before then, wasn't it, in terms of the yeah. operating? Yes, so, yeah. so they didn't, they weren't, it wasn't a requirement, mm. but it's a pretty harsh place to be today yeah. uh, if you're living in a world with inflation at the rate of 10% yeah. and you're yeah. not getting any increases. And there are people in the PPF whose total pensions are pre-97. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so is it fair... And it is quite right to raise their situation, given mm. the plight that they're in, their financial yeah. plight that they're in, and the PPF. 
the surplus, I believe, it's over seven or eight billion now. Right. right. So questions are being asked of the About, PPF yeah. whether they can use their discretion to make some payments. Yeah. And the government's position on this is that it is not open to discussion on it. It was asked to even investigate how many people are impacted, and it kind of said... It, was, it gave it quite short it. shift, didn't it? Yeah. And didn't it say yeah. something like, um, oh, you know, Labour could... If Labour thought this was going to be a should problem, they it. should have fixed it back yes. when they were in power. But I you're think, in a totally different environment back yeah. then. And yeah. I think it's a pretty, um, it's a pretty harsh thing to say. If you're yeah. a politician who has an inflation-proofed pension yeah. that yeah. they don't have to worry about... Yeah. 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 And the bulk of... Um, pensioners in the PPF who ha- are in the situation are all the females too. Yeah, so who yeah, wouldn't yeah. have be built up a lot of money in their own name yeah. or they may have inherited a pension from some a spouse which is reduced yeah. and yeah. frozen. Yeah. Right? So they're in a predicament. Yeah, yeah. It's a really interesting, for me, it's sort of this space between culture and rules. So those non-increasing benefits, I think, I think it's fair to say that the the, the relationship between the corporate and the trustee it was always understood that they would apply discretion, that inflation would not be a, a hard-coded thing, but would be very, very conscious in the in the thinking of how to in, uprate those benefits for discretion. And then you have the the '97 Act, and they go like, no, 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 you know, because there are some people who are not doing that and maybe not generating returns because they're unlucky or bad investors. Then essentially everything going forward, you have this sort of hard-coded rule. And then if you map that onto a PPF government body insurance type mindset, then all of a sudden you've lost sight of the fact that you're meant to have discretion for that pre-97 benefit. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's it's pretty rich for the, the government to say, let's do nothing about it. I mean, ultimately, it's DB schemes who are going to pay for that if, it, if they created a deficit. We, the employers and pension schemes are seeing their levy reduced. Yeah. So the... The benefits of the surplus and the investment policy for the PPF are being returned to employers and to schemes, Mm. but the beneficiaries who didn't have a say in the company failing, but believed in good faith that they were being protected, aren't, you know, it's pretty harsh, isn't it? Yeah. So so do you think this could lead to calls for sort of reviewing, you know, how surplus is going to be shared between... Definitely, there is, you know, those kind of discussions Mm. between employers and pension schemes because oh goodness me we're in a world now where surpluses are the issue yeah, like yeah. for the 20 years of my career <coughs> i've been running yeah. about deficits yeah. goodness yeah. we're in a world now where they're talking about who gets a piece of the pie yeah. you know this is going on does the surplus go to members in the form of discretionary increases generally mm-hmm. because of the cost of living crisis or does the employer get a bite of it i think the lawyers are you know this is turning into a bit of a an, an, an area where lawyers are getting involved yeah. right now and the employer getting a bite of it. We had Sophia Singleton on, who said essentially they're reopening DC within the uh, within the hybrid, yeah. so that that can become employer contributions yeah. into the DC. That, that's pot. another element of it yeah. too, isn't it? I mean, if the money, you know, the employer might argue, well, I'll take some of that surplus back and you know give it to the DC. Yeah, but, yeah. but will they? <laughs> well, I'd, wait, I'd be reporting on it if someone was doing it. Yeah, there you yeah. go. There's an incentive. That's still an intergenerational transfer, right? There's yeah. still yeah. Um, one cohort. The benefits put aside for one cohort paying for a new cohort. Um, but with the PPF in particular, you know, this is a lifeboat. So why are you not rescuing people? You know, it's just, it's just. I, I, I regularly seem to speak against the actuarial profession, but it feels to me like there is a spreadsheet somewhere which says this stuff doesn't need to get uprated. This stuff, you know, goes in line with different kinds of inflation, uh, and you know, a computer says no, and it's just that is that is a bad answer. Yeah. So thanks for bringing that in, yeah. Darren. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks to ChatGPT. <laughs> There's a Simpsons episode where um, uh, Lisa solves a problem uh, yeah. with Ralph Wiggum. And they, uh, they, <laughs> Ralph says we should ask Lisa, right. and so they give all of the praise to Ralph. <laughs> and Lisa at the end goes like, "Well, you didn't say anything." Said, but Ralph asked you. <laughs> so there you go. You are Ralph Wiggum today. Thank, Thank you very much. So what have you got for us, Nicky? Um, yeah. So um, I have brought in the story or the the, the kind of piece from uh, the Association of Consulting Actuaries who are concerned that DC schemes are going to get strong-armed into the long-term investment for technology and science lifts initiative. I think on the acronym they decided to drop the the C. Um, 
uh, and emphasise the four. Um, so, uh, yeah, they warned it will take a long time for appropriate vehicles with the required liquidity and operational structures to develop and governance bodies to assess their quality and suitability. So, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of... I, I, I fear with the government that they, they sort of... They keep on addressing really, really hard-to-solve problems and thinking they're easy. Mm. Um, and rather than looking at the complexity, and here's another place where there's complexity, not all it is regulated complexity, some of it's kind of market complexity and just norms. We know about low cost, we know about the life companies and daily liquidity, which is just not a requirement for trusts, but it's got sort of forced into it. Um, all of those things are in the mix, and the government goes, no, no, it's really easy, you just need to invest in technology and science. Um, so, yeah, you, you know, I think obviously hats off to the ACA for kind of calling that out. Um, they're not the only ones. Um, but will we see more of this? I guess we've, we've had the Hunt speech I talked about last time. Yep. Um, I think uh, Laura Trott spoke about the sort of the next step of, you know, we're going to put you into these high fee Potentially um, high profit for the fund manager type funds. Well, they're after they're after pension fund money. Absolutely, the UK economy. Absolutely, yeah. and this has been going on for a few years now, mm. hasn't it? I mean, I was tracking the productive finance working group, which yeah. was set yeah. up yeah. two or three two or three years ago, um, and this is a, a, a group of the Bank of England, the Treasury, and the FCA, and predominantly asset managers trustee but no representatives from civil society or consumer groups no right. sort of voice of the member yeah. individual member nominated there's nothing it's a very industry dominated group and their objective was clearly that we see this big pot of money in dc and it should be unlocked and we are here to sort of define what the barriers are and what the solutions are and one of the problems and one of the, the barriers that they identified if you go through all of the minutes and actually i think they've taken a few down because i questioned them on it yeah, yeah, yeah. um was that costs you know there is this focus excessive focus on costs and that could be a problem because yeah. we want these pension money to invest in assets which are more expensive. Yeah. So that would be disruptive to the narrative. So from there, we started to see a momentum build around value for money filter through to the FCA, to TPR, to DWP. Mm. So yeah. this framework has emerged alongside these discussions of the product, the work with the Productive Finance Working Group to unlock money by changing or diminishing, as I see it, mm. the role of or the, the impact of costs and charges. And we've, we've also seen performance fees removed mm. yeah, from the yeah. charge cap at the same time. I mean, and, and this has just been, you know, I see this all over the world. It's not unusual to what's going on in England. In Australia, there is actually a push as well to steer DC cash into to help solve their housing crisis. Right, yeah. Yeah. The difference is in Australia, there is a very, very clear um, duty on trustees, on DC trustees, to act in the best financial interests of members. Yeah. Right. So they cannot make decisions which are um, against the best interests of, of savers, which says, well, you can't just plump money into a social housing project because... Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And the regulator is very clear about that. I don't think we have a clear purpose for what a pension system here is. It's a pot of yeah, money, yeah. isn't it? Mm. And, and the duties that trustees have are well, to invest in the interests of savers, but that's a bit sort of... Yeah. Uh, you know, the, it's subjective, isn't it? So I think there has been a lot of tension. We've seen the pushback from the PLSA and for other organisations. Yep. I'm glad that the ACA is sort of yeah. articulating yeah. the issues here about yeah. governments seeing money in pensions as a, a way to help them deal with, you know, deficits. Nobody wants a big right. sort of deficit on the, on the, on the balance yeah. of books, do they? Well, I mean, we're, you know, DB pensions have already basically bailed out the government yeah. uh, for all of the COVID Builds. spending. Yep. Yep. Um, there is absolutely no way the government wouldn't have had a run on the pound in, in 2020 if DB hadn't been desperate for that guilt issuance. Mm. Yeah. And I'm sure leverage reduced because a lot of the synthetic guilt that the pension scheme industry had to create to, uh, to, to recognise the undersupply of guilts were suddenly there were actual guilts to go and buy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, DB pensions created a market for, for government there. Um, for me, there's, there's, you know, there's a long-term narrative here, which is if you go back to the 80s, those DB schemes were full of equity that were probably UK-biased, yeah. if not exclusively UK equity. 
Um, and then we started believing in the sh Chicago School and financial economics and that, you know, the market cap portfolio is the right one to have, that domestic biases are, are crazy. Um, and now probably any equity portfolio is less than 20% of those DB schemes. Uh, and the UK content of it is probably about 5%. It's roughly the kind of the, the, the holding of the UK in the market global portfolio. So... You know, there are that cultural paradigm of disinvesting UK equities. Yes, buying government debt, but, you know, buying American equities. Yeah. Um, that is what they're seeking to reverse. And again, they don't seem to be grappling with this sort of cultural, what is your belief set as to how you should do asset allocation? How do you go through this process? Because somewhere there's a Bloomberg terminal that outputs, you know, historic risk and return. There's Aladdin or other kind of optimizers that you can get, which will tell you allocate more to the US, right? So I always thought, because I, I, so I was on the patient capital review, um, which they changed the name of, and I can't remember what they changed it to, but obviously Woodford right. and patient capital made yeah. it a uh, slightly toxic <laughs> brand. Um, and you know, it was like venture capital's great. Um, that was the, the framing of the question. And I always used to think that uh, Philip Hammond probably went to a dinner party, you know, with some of his venture capital mates. And they said, why is DC not doing venture capital? And the short answer is because it's bloody expensive and very high risk. And if it returns, then, you know, that's great. Um, but it's like 1% of my, my portfolio. Yeah. So there was always this kind of framing question of like, how much might you put into this? where we probably wouldn't move the needle of the VC industry that much by having DC in to begin with. Yeah. But you don't need performance fees to invest in infrastructure and social housing and clean energy. You only have a performance fee culture in venture capital and private equity, really. Yeah. And, um, you know, so removing the, uh, the performance fee cap, sticking them, out, sorry, sticking them outside of the cap, what is that intended to do? Is it lifts? I don't believe so. It's, it is venture capital and private equity. So, you know, that's not going to reverse the cultural narrative of disinvestment from the UK because those funds are global as well, right? And they have a 5% allocation to UK venture capital, if not smaller, because the US is so dominant. So it, it, I keep on coming. What is the problem the government actually wants us to solve? Um, what, if this is about climate change, you could plant that flag, and I think DC schemes would love it. They would come in and they would say, look, if we've got a way for the government to create an umbrella so that we can invest in wind farms, we can insulate Britain, we can uh, electrify the fleet, we can build the battery storage for the intermittent, you know, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But instead of planting that flag, because that feels too much like interventionism, they go like, oh, we should enable these things. Mm. But what they're enabling is high cost, potentially low performance assets, which, you know, probably are the people who donate to the Tory party in terms of, um, you know, where the, 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 the profits go to. So it seems it seems like a total mess. And I just can't see how the industry is at all able to follow that kind of lead. But, but also, like, you know, trustees can, you know, they're quite a sceptical bunch, some of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that just because the government is willing schemes to do something, you know, they, they, they can be quite cautious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's just a lot of hot air, really. I don't know, Darren. I think there's, um, um, you know, mandation is being thrown around quite a lot. Mm. Like, you know, the talk of like the City of London, the Nicholas Lyons, 5%, let's get, you know, this money in there. I think a lot of it is coming from people who are not aligned um, with what pensions, the purpose of a pension is, basically. Yeah, I think yeah. the difference is in Australia, if you speak to a trustee, Member first. The culture is very different yeah. because of their duty. Here it's a little bit, well, you can move it around a bit. Mm. You know, what is what is this money for? It's yeah. for us, it's for the economy. And that's being merged and muddy. Yeah. And that's yeah. been happening. Uh, but I've heard and I continue to hear either, you know, opportunistically mandation being mentioned in terms of policy proposals, which puts everyone a little bit of mm. uh, alarm. Yeah. Should we just do a little bit to get them off our back? I'm sure that works in their favour when there's a threat in the air of mandation. Mm. Mm. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was in a consultation, yeah. but pushed back, pushed back because uh, a Conservative government would not force. That is philosophically not something that they would do. Jeremy Hunt has said that. Mm. And yeah. I think they would risk an electoral backlash yeah. if mem members' money I think if was... If, if you Forced. if you started having the government yeah. directing pension scheme investments, then whew. there would be a backlash because yeah. things go wrong, and who picks yeah. up the tab? Yeah. You yeah. know, as I see it, 
you know, if you wanted to raise the money taxes to build the wind farms or the hospitals or the roads, it's very obvious that people are going to get upset if the taxes are raised. But if you actually do it quietly behind the scenes in a way that most people don't understand, Mm. like picking the pension savings Mm. pocket by stealth, it's quieter. You can sort of get away with it. No one understands it. Very few people like the ACA, very clear. Yep understand trustees understand yeah you know so i think one of the interesting things in australia is the sort of asset recycling regime um and i think it's because of the federal system isn't it so essentially all of the states own the assets in the state so essentially as i understand it you've got this sort of the state on their own balance sheet develops whatever infrastructure it feels it needs right and then has the ability to work with the supers in that state to essentially pass that existing infrastructure over to them so that then it has more cash to go and develop the next wave okay. of infrastructure. So, you know, you have a toll bridge and it pays tolls to the pensioners. Yeah. Um, but we privatised our <laughs> the vast swathes of our infrastructure, you know, a long time ago. There's no way for the government to say, you know, British Leyland, what a terrible example. Here you go, every pension scheme, take a slice of this. Um, we privatised them on the open markets and that's the horse has bolted, right? It's very difficult, I think, mm. to get a pension scheme interested in getting into the shovels in the ground stage. Yes. You know, that's where the money is needed and the investment is needed, but it is the riskiest yep. area. Yep. And if yep. the government's yep. willing to sort of finance that, and w- once you be asking questions as a taxpayer, why aren't you doing it yourself? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're getting the private sector to do yeah. it. Pension funds, even the, you know, the Australians are interested. Uh, I keep on referring to Australia. The Canadians... Um, are big investors here too, the biggest pension plans in the world. Australia's, and um, we've got King's Cross, they've spent a lot right, of money yeah, redeveloping that. Um, Canada Water, Australian Super, is in uh, partnership with British Land and they're redeveloping. Right. But those are long term projects and these are super sized pension schemes. Mm. I'm talking yeah, about yeah, over yeah. 180. Mega, they're mega, yeah. uh, they get good deals and they have the skills and the governance. And they know what well, you know, know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you do need to know what you're doing when you're dealing yeah. with liquid assets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In one of our um, early pods um, in the series, we had Greg McConnell on mm. from yeah. Um, IFS. Yeah, IFM. Yeah. 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 Uh, IFM, sorry. Um, and you know, he, he was talking about the benefits of scale and yeah. how the supers have collaborated. Yeah. yeah. Um, to, to, to you know to develop that expertise Absolutely. to develop the governance and develop to develop the scale yeah. where they're not just price takers or terms takers they can actually go in there yeah, yeah and influence the shape of the deal Absolutely. Um, in the interests of the members yeah yeah i mean it's just i mean uh, it's the sort of poker phrase if you're at the table and you don't know who the sucker is it's you yeah and this <laughs> is just you should not assume that these people have your interests at heart mm. Um, and uh, for all sorts of conflicts of interest, conflicting uh, uh, directions of what you want from this. So until you've got that scale and you've got the expertise and you pay for that expertise because it's not, it's an open market for that talent. Um, you know, it is those trustees, then I don't think they're conservative in, ter- in terms of asset class, they're conservative in terms of governance and operations yeah. and implementation. Yeah. Um, because it looks great in the Excel model, but uh, you know, actually getting the money from it—that's the—that's the challenge. And when you compare what the Australian pension funds are doing with other pension schemes around the world, DC schemes, it's not overly conclusive that they're going to deliver a better return mm-hmm. yeah. in the long term. Right. I mean, a common uh, asset allocation to private markets might be 20%, mm-hmm. sort mm-hmm. of commercial property, that's not going to do too well, mm-hmm. is it, at yeah. the moment? Um, private equity, they own bridges, they have infrastructure, etc. But they've had bad years last yeah. year. Yeah. A lot of them, most of them were in negative territory, not as bad as a lot of our DC defaults here yeah. right. that are... 60-40, yeah. I mean, that's another question. Yeah. What a bad year to be yeah. in bonds and to yeah. in stocks at the same time. Especially if but you're on a glide path approaching retirement. Oh, God, glide path. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've seen that, you know, their, their returns on these DC funds, everyone talks about it. Uh, they've gone into negative territory, but they might be sort of regularly outside in a good year. They're more consistent. There's less volatility you know, between the top, the, the rises and the falls. Yeah. So whereas here, you know, we'll benefit fully from the, from the stock market. It's more, yeah. it's more about consistent returns. Yeah. So yeah. I think for us to feel that this is a better system in terms of value, you, you look at how they're performing over the long term, 
I think consistent and diversification is good. Yep. Because mm-hmm. it was a terrible year, mm. but will it deliver a better outcome for the same saver in different yeah. countries? I think we need to see more evidence yeah. on yeah. that. And just the final thought on this: this is where the value for money lens is incredibly awkward. <laughs> oh, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, my investment proposition costs me, let's say, five basis points today. And uh, if the arguments are reducing the volatility or, you know, maybe minor outperformance of that portfolio, can I really put zeros on that? <laughs> the mm. allocation to achieve that? Costs are the only thing that you've got control on. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you know. You're playing the government's own words back to them there. I'm not sure they can remember that. But, uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah. So we've gone totally off piste on we this have. podcast. Well, it's great. Um, yeah, which, is, yeah. which is absolutely fantastic. Um, <laughs> Bring us back. Bring us back. So, uh, we're, well, we're, 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 we're 36 minutes in. How did uh, I get into pensions? Well, I'm so going to do it the other way So I'm going to continue the VFM yeah, discussion. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then we're going to come on to your time at the FT and we might ask you what your best scoop was yeah. um, um, to finish the podcast off, um, just as to give you a bit of free warning there. <laughs> so, um, you know, we've already touched on some of this already, but Joe, um, what does VFM mean to you? Uh, VFM, in terms of pensions, um, is when savers' money is invested in their best financial interests in products where charges and fees are crystal clear and transparent. Yep. It's as simple as that. It's easy to say. <laughs> well, I think it needs to be said because the definitions mm-hmm. that we've seen floating around do not have those key words about um best financial interests yep. and, mm-hmm. and, and clarity on charges because I said when we were discussing I think costs and charges are still important but their importance has been diminished or sidelined by this value for money proposition service returns actually this this framework is quite unclear to me mm. what's the purpose of it what is good look like yep. in this you know I think it's good that there is more comparisons that pension schemes will be put on, um, you know, and, and trustees will be held to account um, in terms of the way they manage money and, and that we can see how schemes are performing. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if there isn't the members' money, this value for members' money mm. isn't the clear priority and, and, and we're not talking about money going into the ground yeah. for the government's sake, then this isn't the purpose isn't right yeah yeah so you 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 would argue that the framing of the vfm debate and the consultation is 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 is, is coming from the wrong starting everything needs to come from uh the the position of savers value for members money and at the moment i see in the political context because of this sort of dual objectives i see the primary purpose going on here with money for the uk economy as well as good returns for the saver they can't occur at the same time mm-hmm. you have to have a clear mm-hmm. um objective and i think it kind of fits into the way i do journalism really mm-hmm. as i sort yeah. of spoke about this before and you know there is a, a, a trait i don't really get you know annoyed about this not annoyed but it does fire me up mm-hmm. yeah. because um one of the traits of australians is, is that we support the underdog and i don't know i've been away for a long time i sure things people still think that way but it means that you know you sort of back yourself in the corner of the average or, or the, the little jack uh, or jill or yeah, small yeah, guy yeah. small girl whatever um against uh, the authorities or the government or not you know if they're, if they're up against it and in this sense um what i can see in this situation is that it is very clearly clearly a situation of the information information asymmetry the little guy little girl knows far less about pensions than those people who are running them or yep. writing them or selling them yep. and in that gulf in that gulf between little guy little girl and those people who are running the system there's plenty of opportunity for misdirection or mm. abuse and we've seen what's going on with um over taxation yep. right yep. complex systems <coughs> to abuse look at BHS, look at Carillion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've written yeah. about annuity mis-selling. That really is upsetting. Mm. Yeah, you know? yeah. And in this situation, I think it's really, really important here that the interests of a little guy, the little girl, are absolutely made clear and they're not muddied by sort of, mm. ob- you know, objectives or other people wanting to sort of get on board the pensions piggy bank or get yeah, inside yeah. it because it's their money. Yeah, yeah. 
And let's not n- lose, you know, sense of the purpose of what a pension is. Because if, you know, you work in it, we work in this industry, we know, we're very clear about the consequences of when things go wrong and how difficult yeah, yeah. it is to save adequately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're right about that all the time. So do you think people, just building on that member perspective, yeah. Yeah, do you think members value pensions? So not necessarily value for money, but do they value what the pensions I industry they, does and the oh, fact that they have a pension I think they do as they get older and it becomes more present I think when you're mm. sort of in your 20s and 30s your life is so busy mm. with either trying to pay, get a job get a house dealing with debt finding a home finding somewhere to rent by the time people wake up to what you know the challenges are of retirement it might be in their 40s or 50s and that's when they start to realize and you know my experience i've seen it panic a bit yeah and that's when it's not value but they start to engage the system is encourages a lot of disengagement for a long time and and that's where the problems and and the opportunities for things to go wrong because they're not aware of it Mm -hmm. they do value their pension when they know (laughs) they don't have enough of it yeah yeah. and they'll do something about it because in Australia, I've always been amazed um, that, that people not necessarily understand super, but they have that affinity with oh, their I super. Love it. They absolutely love it. I don't love they? it. Everyone you talk to from Australia yeah. is it's it's a positive um, yeah. association. Rather when in the UK, it's competitive, Darren. People are talking about how much their super is. Right. But you know, I was when I was over in Australia in February. It was like, come and I woke up, like, just off the plane, like, 15 minutes, and my sister's out, oh, look at, look, look, look at my statement, can you sort of <laughs> And actually, the statement was beautiful, yeah. because it had, that's where your money is invested, yeah. uh, assets, this is just an ordinary DC, right, workplace fund, how much you've got, the performance, blah, blah, and this is what you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Very clear, very yeah. easy to engage. She understands how much she has. Yeah. And then yeah. you turn on the news, and they're all talking about super. Right. They are, and it's in the newspapers, so they can compare, and the, the performance tests over there have been operating for two years and they've driven out underperforming funds. It's yeah. been good. I would yeah. like to see that here, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that would be great. I mean, if yeah. the regulatory system could result in poor schemes and raising performance, that's great. Mm. But my issue is I think we need to say that it needs to be about the member. Yeah. yeah, yeah? And yeah. For, for, for people to get engaged more, um, we need those changes in terms of their statements mm. yeah. Yeah. and getting in seen on the telly there's more of it going on do you, do you think that portfolio's member approach in australia helps so oh, you, yeah. you're building a brand and you know, i take it through my different jobs absolutely the thing is it's about simplicity i mean mm. one of the things is we don't have db conversations it's right. like great it's mm. all about dc it's yeah. so simple so the tax system you want to move your money um it you just go to the like you can do it three days yeah yeah you, you ask for your money to be transferred the rule is it has to be done in three days. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, not six weeks. Yeah. It's and quick. Po- and possibly rejected. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you can see it. You can go onto the website, yeah. and they're all really consumer friendly. This is how we performed. This yeah. is we were interested in your money. This is where we're investing it. So there, it's easier to be. It's more like savings yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. pension yeah. being stuck in a, a different era. But I yeah. think that's a product of big life insurance companies or insurers having a lot of money not having to work too hard because mm, it's yeah. just left there. You know, yeah, they're not yeah. competing, are they? No. But they compete, they compete. People can move their money around rather they can take it out of the employer will pay it to where they want to pay it. Yep. That's yep. that's the key difference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've always been a fan of that idea. Like the critics would say, um, all you're doing is um, massively increasing focus on marketing and marketing spend, and you know, it's you, true. You, you, yeah. you know, um, so so there is a there is an opportunity cost within that. Mm-hmm. But you know, I've always been very frustrated that you know, if I if I if I if I um, you know, with an employer, um, I'm in a good pension scheme. I've got an affinity with that scheme. They provide me with good service. I like the comms. Yeah. You know, why can't I then go to my next employer and continue contributing to that same? Um, you know, products that same scheme. I, I can do that. I can still make uh, um, voluntary contributions, but there's no obligation on the employer yeah. um, to pay their pension money into that scheme, um, um, and therefore you could lose your employer contribution, yeah. which is yeah. obviously a real valuable benefit. Yeah, yeah, it's a mess, isn't it? I want to come back to the costs and charges being crystal clear, because my sense is they're never crystal clear. 
Um, I won't name names, but we do have a, a provider who thinks they charge nothing for their uh, passive funds. Um, and, you know, spoiler alert, you take the money, you put it into Guernsey, you issue a TRS, a total return swap, a derivative, uh, and you charge within the calculation of the index, but you don't recognize that as a, as a charge. Um, and so there's gaming always. Mm-hmm. Um, I never understand what the difference is between Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett, and a private equity fund. Uh, one of the main differences is that it costs me two and 20 in the charge gap calculations, or sorry, two <laughs> in the charge gap calculations to invest in private equity, but the two or three that Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett take Totally, totally obscure from us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the the ability for the complexity of vehicles and implementation to just get in the way, uh, nobody seems to be focused on leakage. I mean, the whole, um, the paper portfolio transaction cost, madness, you know. Uh, and so one of the great things, I think, in the consultation is the sense that, and it's not that explicit, but there is a gross performance, you know, uh, or net of all costs. I don't have to just I just get somewhere a number which is the true actual movement of my units of investment performance. Mm. And that is then we can talk about, okay, so how much did it cost for me to get into those things? Um, and in whatever way the charge cap says I have to calculate costs. So I do feel like there's a wood for the trees issue here. Absolutely. I mean, you spoke about leakage and, yeah. and you know, value extraction yeah. mm, it yeah. is another concept. I mean, the, the assets that um, the sort of government wants uh, steering pension schemes to invest in are still complex, as you say, yeah, and there's yeah, layers yeah. in them. And um, the the initiative, you, you might recall the asset management review in sort of 2017 resulted in these cost transparency templates mm-hmm. that, that w- the industry was voluntarily asked to start using asset managers when a pension scheme goes to them you fill out you tell us what your charges are yeah not a whole industry isn't using them still yeah right but we're you know that's crazy how can you get a handle on what the charges are if you don't know what the charges are mm. and and this do the trustees have have the skill i mean they're well-intentioned mm. yeah. but these are sophisticated products should they you know do they have the skill to understand what they're investing we've just yeah. had a huge you know, situation with LDI exposing a lot of areas of weakness yeah. and understanding and, and sort of investment consultants who aren't regulated at mm. the same time. Mm. I mean, these should be raising red flags, really, for a system that is trying to um, move towards value for money, which is fantastic because mm. there are lots of things to do. But actually, underneath the bonnet, where is the work that has been going on to actually prove that this is a legitimate and, you know, your intentions are you know, to shake the tree in the right areas in terms of transparency and costs. Yeah. How are we doing for time, Darren? I think we're uh, we've got a bit we've got a bit of time. Okay. Um, so So I'm speaking more than you, Nico. No, I know it's rare. (laughs) (laughs) It's good though. Darren likes it. So so Um, you 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 talked um you talked you know what 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 are some of the key lessons from the Australian system do you think that you know, the UK government could look over the pond, even even get a taxpayer-funded trip to fly them over there. Oh, I'm sure. Nice, wouldn't it? It would be nice for the people on the plane. Um, but the, <laughs> but the um, yeah, what, what were the key takeaways and the lessons that you would have from the Australian I think a, a few things are, in Australia, it's um, one regulator mm. does the whole sort of system. So we don't have TPR and, and the FCA. I think this is an issue, isn't it? Can you yeah, see? Yeah. They're trying to regulate a value issue. for money framework which is with two different regulators yeah. and different approaches but just one regulator yeah. doing it yeah. um, and there starts from a common position and a common understanding that the objective uh, you know your duty as a trustee is to deliver the best financial best financial yeah. You know, this was changed. They just had a duty to act in the best interest, but mm. it was actually strengthened mm. two years ago mm. to say uh, financial interest. So there is clarity over the purpose of investments, and they, you know, they have an onus on them uh, in terms of how they deliver that. So, so that's important, and that sort of drives um, a lot of the thinking, the key thinking from the people who are who are overseeing the money scale. Yeah. I mean that is correct, this push towards shaking off the underperforming schemes, they've done yeah. that. The performance tests that have been in place since 2020 
I don't know if your listeners understand what's happened, but since 2020, Australian pension funds have been required to uh, undergo performance tests, yep. which the regulator sets the benchmark. I think there's a debate over here about benchmarking, yeah, yeah. right? But the benchmark is based on performance over eight years. Right. And the, they're all subjected to these tests annually, performance yeah. tests. And the first year, 15 funds failed. Right. And that resulted in 13 of them merging or exiting. So it's good yeah. in shaking out the underperformers. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been good. And just to, sorry, sorry, just yeah. on the, the UK test, yeah. the UK benchmark is a value for money benchmark. Right. So your worst performing fund could be the best value for money. So and your best yeah. performing fund could be the worst value yeah. for money. Yeah. So the test that Laura Trotter's proposed could mm. close the best performing funds. Mm. Yeah. Which back yeah. to you, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is It's the um, badness of VFM, right? <laughs> yeah, that I mean Australian schemes are looked at in terms of their service quality. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Because there is a secondary um, layer of interested parties who actually do vigorously rate super and they've got ratings i mean this is different about the system generally Mm. so you've got best provider and all stuff that's important but in terms of investment performance they are ranked and it has resulted in consolidation shakeout etc and fees have come down charges have come down generally Mm. so that's been a good you know fees australia is very focused on fees too. Yeah. So that's another thing we learn. It's still important. Right. There was that Royal Commission, wasn't there? That, yeah. You know, was, you know, because everyone talks about Australia in yeah. a very positive way and rightly so. Yeah, no, that, yeah. Um, but, but it wasn't all rosy, was it? No, no, it wasn't rosy. They had a Royal Commission um, to fees and charges and people not acting in their best interests yeah. and conflicts of interests at the same time. So they're very um, mindful of all of that. And governance... Governance is really important. I think it comes down to, to governance. Where we are today with um, their system, um, so we've got some really huge schemes, yeah. and I think they're starting to concern, get concerned about how big they are, really. Right. Yeah, I mean, some people complaining they're not answering phones now, they're so big. Right. And of course, for them, they're so big, their operating expenses are quite huge, and yeah. if they have a bad year, you know, they're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they'll feel it. Yeah. So we can learn a bit from where they're going in terms of their consolidation and their concerns, yeah. etc. I yeah. think there's a lot to learn from them. become too big. Uh, that's oh, yeah. their problem, mm. you know, scale, how much is too big. There are five yeah. really big ones at yeah. the moment. But yeah. they invest internationally. They do not have a home bias. I right. think one of the things we hear a lot in the, in the media is that, oh, the Australians, they're buying, you know, they invest here. The Canadians are investing here. Actually, the Canadians don't have a home bias. The Canadian Ontario teachers is like international bias. Mm, yeah. So they, they know that the opportunities for them are the best ones are international. Well, when you're big, you just will dwarf any single market, any single asset class yeah. that you consider to be like amazing to you. Mm. So the bigger you get, the less likely you are to, to, to be able to make any money from a home bias because you yeah. just overpay for the assets. Yeah, so these, these are the key things. And the, mm. the other thing is in Australia, it's very clear who the leg, um, reg, the regulation, those tests are aimed at the members, right. not the trustees or the managers, because they're the ones who can look at the results. And you can go into the Australian tax office and say, punch in your uh, the name of your fund and it'll yeah. give you four to compare with. And let right. it, it, the whole system is around giving compara- comparability yeah. to, to individuals to use the system. They don't move, generally. Mm. They yeah. don't move. But the fact that there is transparency and visibility of performance keeps yeah. keeps the players, you know, a bit honest. Yeah, and, 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 and the fact that there are proper sanctions if funds are underperforming yeah. is going to make a bit of difference as well. Well, it, if you fail the first time a performance test, um, you have to write to your members mm. and let them know. And then the second time, you, they, you, yeah, you, you can't take on, you can't take more yeah, contributions, yeah. and so, yeah, so yeah. it's it's really you know. But there are concerns as well about this whole system, and the main criticism that comes back is it is encouraging herding, and I've heard yeah. investment herding. Why would you want to do anything exceptional if it means that you could, you know, it goes wrong? Yeah. You, you know, that's the criticism of these yeah. strategies. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'd all rather be scuppered by the same. 
Yeah. yeah. The same events than have any one of us be scuppered by an individual. Yeah. Event. So I mean, yeah. I think there's a legitimate argument to be had. Yeah. And and I know, uh, like Australians, say politically on climate change is sort of different landscapes to the UK. But when you put in, when you strengthen that kind of financial interests rule, has that led to, I mean, is sort of sustainability climate change part of the landscape of, on the sort of investment strategies? Or? You can see there's a tension yeah. between an objective, an ESG objective to invest, to help the environment, and yeah. to invest in the best financial interests yeah. of members. What the trustees of those schemes would say is that we invest in the best opportunities in those areas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? to deliver the best returns. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fascinating. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I did say I was going to ask you a, another question before we oh, the, the wrap the, up. The so job, the, the scoop or so the best... What, yeah, so what was your best scoop that you ever had? Oh, well, I think it's been a long time, hasn't it? I say the best, the best sort of story that I really kind of feel great and remember reporting on was the British Steel. Uh-huh. And that sort yeah. of takes me back to this... Tray, you know, the underdog, mm. the, the asymmetry. I've reported on a lot of things from annuity scandals right back in 2005, the market, people getting ripped off the wrong products. Yep. The, um, do you remember 2013, the um, OFT investigation yep. to mm-hmm. overcharging, £30 yep. billion yep. Pounds of money in high fee charging. BHS, Carillion Corporate, you know, yeah, exploitation, yeah. but BHS really struck me. Mm. You know, we know what happened there. We had mm. four thousand people. Um, a lot of them, most of the majority of them, were wrongly advised to give up guaranteed pensions for life. Um, a shout out to Al Rush if yeah, he's listening yeah. to me. Like, um, he phoned me. I think at one point I could wrap this up. So this, it's, he alerted me. I was in the office. He said, Look, it's, yeah, I won't swear or whatever, but it was like, you know, a car crash going on down here. I remember running up to my um, editor and saying, you know, I need to get down to to Port Talbot, basically, because there is just, you know, there was a robbery taking place down there. As far as we could see it, you know, he could see that they were signing people up. And so I went down there. If you give me a couple of minutes, this is like an important story. I went down there and I met... um, at this little rugby club in, in Wales and uh, it was 11 o'clock in the morning like Al had set up this clinic like a triage clinic and like it was in the pub mm-hmm. so I offered a coffee or a pint <laughs> uh, took the coffee it's a bit late for the coffee yeah. <laughs> but it, m- men just started to come with their paperwork yeah. and um, f- from being transferred out and we'd gotten to the fifth or sixth and it was just copycat yeah. same same advisor was just doing the same thing and these yeah. are people who've been working in the uh, operations at Port Talbot for decades and that was the whole family wealth and I think we got to the fifth gentleman who was in his 50s and had just been sort of uh, came there put the paperwork down and and the, and the kind of penny had dropped mm. and we kind of looked at you know this is wasn't right yeah, yeah. and just the look on his face you know it it, for me, at that point, I actually stepped out and I sort of cried. I thought, like, mm. this is so wrong. You know, the system should not have allowed this to happen to yeah. these individuals. Yeah. And from then, when you see how the system impacts on people, at that, it's very important to hold yeah. on to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. this yeah. is not a academic debate or about people in mm. the city mm. wanting to do things. This is someone... People's lives. Yeah. People suicided uh, in Port mm. Albert because mm. of Port... You know, what, what had happened there was devastating. So I think we should just keep hold of pensions are about people yeah. and the yeah. reason why I stayed in pensions is there's a lot of inspiring people and people with purpose in pensions and I think we should just hold on to that yeah. and not yeah. lose sense of the you know who should be at the centre Do right by the member, you won't go far wrong is yeah. probably a, a good mantra on that so we are we are out of time, Nico. Yeah, what a fam- fantastic place to, yeah. to wrap yeah. up. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so Great. much for coming on. I've enjoyed it. And this still um, donut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wolfed mine down. Yeah, you did, didn't you? <laughs> uh, so coming up, uh, well, we're back in the pod in DG Publishing, so many thanks to them. Yep. Um, this is our pod, isn't it, Darren? This is our pod, we've, number we've, one. We've, we've, uh, we've been journeyman a little bit, but yeah. uh, we're, we're back. Um, so uh, the next event for them, or the most important event for us and them, is the DC Strategies. Strategic Summit, uh, which is the 15th of May. I 
suspect, I hope, yeah. those places still available. Oh, but yeah, there's, ask, there's places ask. still available. Do get in contact. Um, so you and I are doing a session. I've got no idea what we're doing. No, I don't know. I'm sure <laughs> we'll find out I think it's got value for money as a thing. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and you were with them at the LGPS summit. Yeah, so they called? had, um, uh, it was um, a pooling symposium. Ah. So just looking at things like scale, costs and charges, transparency, yeah. competition, um, in the LGPS pooling sector, so yeah, it's it's, it's not u- my usual beat that way. <laughs> if you, um, but it's quite interesting. If you weren't in the pension sector mm. and you and you told someone you're in, you, I went to a pooling symposium. <laughs> yeah. You know that sounds like a fantastic three days. I'm sure it was great anyway. But like the idea of being uh, in a swimming pool and presumably drinking wine like the Greeks uh, would be fantastic. <laughs> anyway, there what we go. Great, I do digress. What a great thought, Nico. What a great thought. So, and um, thanks to all our listeners. Um, Thank you. you know, keep yeah. keep liking, sharing, yeah. telling us word. what you think. Telling us what you think uh, on um, vfmpensions at gmail.com. Yeah, we look forward to Henry's blog on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Always look forward to that. And yeah, give us some give us any feedback. Um, Joe, you're brilliant. Oh, Absolutely thank brilliant. you so much. Really yeah. enjoyed it. Um, great chat. I think we are now officially at the longest podcast. Oh, oh. I think we are just there. Um, and who have we got next week, Nico? Oh, you're asking me. Um, have we got... <laughs> <laughs> I closed my calendar. <laughs> oh, right. No, so we've got um, Romy, I think, from Pinterest B next week. Cool. Um, and then we've got Brian Henderson from Mercer. Um, you're on holiday? I am. But you're, uh, you're, I'm on a working holiday. So, holiday. Uh, well, not city work. I am digging up a floor. Excellent. Um, so I've got my electric pneumatic drill. Yeah, and um, um, and um, that means we're going to be doing these virtually. We will be, yeah. um, uh, and hopefully I've got enough signal. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> I might um, have to drive somewhere to get better signal. <laughs> well, sit in the car and talk to you. Well, have a good few weeks. And Thank you. Months. And um, yeah, um, until then, it's bye from me. Bye from me. And bye from me.